Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Tuesday, May 17th. That is the day that we are recording this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston here with you. It's the middle of May, guys. It's a little bit of a fantasy football malaise time of year. We are comfortably beyond the draft. We're still a little bit in front of any more meaningful news coming our way, be it you know, uh, mini camps and training camps and, you know, all that good stuff that we start to get into the uh, fantasy world with. So we're going to slap some things together here. I think it's going to be fun. Jake, I think, uh, you know, you usually come in uh, with a sort of, uh, you know, lower level of excitement, but I think you're going to have fun with these episodes that we're putting together. <laughs> we'll see. I have a fresh off a haircut, so I'm, I'm just scratching my neck. That's all that's going on right now. <laughs> it, I, I wish we were doing this on video. It looks good, right? Right, Funston? He looks pretty good with that haircut. Yeah, I wasn't thought my full three and a half weeks yesterday was a haircut, so he's he's not the barometer for anything. <laughs> three and a half weeks, you get your haircut every three and a half weeks. Every three weeks. Every it three weeks. It grows fast. It was a half week because I was in DC, so I had to reschedule. I cut my own hair every about three and a half months. Is probably about <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, my wife wow. cuts my hair every four weeks or so, every four to five weeks. Oh, wow. There you go. Hey. There you go. All right, and that's it. That's the, that's, the, that's the episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast Haircut, <laughs> haircut. Edition. I told you, Jake, it was going to be super fun, and there it was. We all talked about our haircut routines, and it was great. And there we go. And so uh, keep coming back to us for this great, hard-hitting fantasy football information week after week after week. <laughs> Just kidding with you. Here's what we're going to do. So, you know, we're not, I'm not trying to abdicate responsibility, but it is. It is. I mean, this is – if we were going to pick the deadest time of fantasy football, it's – Probably right about now. All the good stuff of the offseason has happened. The teams are settled. The players are settled. We know who's where and all that, blah, blah, blah. But we're still a little bit too far away from the meaningful stuff of you know training camp in the summer and in preseason games and all that to like really start digging into to that information. We've talked the draft to death. We've talked about early rankings, blah, blah, blah. So here's what we're going to do for our next couple of episodes. We talk about this a lot once we get a little closer to the start of the season. 
investing in teams in fantasy football can often be just as important as investing in individual players you go, you believe are going to be great. There are team structures, there are team environments that are going to lead to yards, to points, to scoring, and that's what we care about in the fantasy football world. So we're going to take a look, structured by division, at the 32 teams in the NFL and just break them down. Which teams do we want to be invested in? Which teams maybe are going to be good enough to elevate their wide receiver three to fantasy relevance? Which teams maybe are going to be bad enough that, yeah, they're wide receiver two on the depth chart, but who really cares about a wide receiver two on team X or team Y? We're going to do that. You know, we're going to structure it in a fun way that starts off with the AFC West first, which could be a really you know great division for real life football, could be a great division for fantasy football. I'm going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs for us, you guys, because this is a team that has some changes coming uh, coming its way this season. Obviously, no Tyreek Hill and aging Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, change a foot potentially in the backfield with uh, the way that that is going to be structured coming into this season. And Jake, I mean, do we assume business as usual for a team with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and it doesn't really matter what else is going on there? Mm, depends on what your definition of business as usual is, because I think that you see by the casting off of Tyreek Hill and the drafting of Sky Moore, the signing of Juju Smith-Schuster, you saw, we talked about this in whatever episode it was, what, week five, six, seven, somewhere around there, where I broke down the weekly rankings of what was going wrong with Patrick Mahomes, and it's just waiting on Tyreek Hill while everybody's playing to cover two on Tyreek Hill, and he had no other options because everybody else sucked on the team. And that's really what it came down to. So they did what they did in late in the season. It was starting to work and was getting Hill open more, starting to play more of the short game, starting to play more in the intermediate, in the middle of the field. And when you bring in Juju, who, as we know, is a big slot, they draft Sky Moore, similar fashion stylistically and Michael Harbin replaces Tyreek Hill and he can just be that and Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a deep threat too you just have more balance to this offense instead of a giant Demarcus Robinson Tyreek Hill going downfield Michael Harbin being the clone of Tyreek Hill to a lesser degree much lesser degree but it was just such a it was pretty much not a one-dimensional offense but it was a very limited offense and I think so business as usual Yes, I still expect Patrick Mahomes to be amazing, and I expect this offense to be great, but I don't think it's the offense we used to know. Yeah, I was making an analogy that, like, if Tyreek Hill was a Snickers bar, what they have now in their in their receiving core is a piece of chocolate, a piece of caramel, and a handful of nuts. You know, like, <laughs> like Tyreek Hill did. Ooh, a piece you of know, candy. Ooh, piece yeah. of candy. <laughs> so basically, you know, MVS is one of those, and, and Juju Smith-Schuster is one of those, and Sky Moore is one of those, but Tyreek Hill kind of brought all together every level of the field into one mm-hmm. package. And so you're not going to have, you know, Travis Kelsey is going to be Travis Kelsey, but now there's not going to be a, it's going to be a, you know, a, a village that replaces Tyreek Hill. And so you're not going to have that mm-hmm. singular big value that you had there. Uh, but I agree with Jake. Mahomes is going to be fine. Kelsey is going to be fine. I mean, we will see something probably different in the backfield. I know that, uh, yeah. that there is a potential for Ronald Jones to, to be a much bigger player, you know, than he's being drafted so far. And CEH, I think, is is dropped into the 30s in the running back position because I think people in the back of their mind are at least preparing for the fact that Ronald Jones might be a bigger thing. Uh, he's got to have some sort of role. Uh, you don't go out and make that move to not give the guy some sort of role in the offense. And so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I don't know, like this backfield, can you get, can you get yourself juiced up about either of these guys? What happened, right? What happened? I mean, it's Andy Reid, it's LaShawn McCoy, it's it's Brian Westbrook, it's all these it's Jamal Charles, it's all these guys from the past. We used to talk about him as like Bell Cal Andy, but uh, you know, it's kinda it's kinda died the last couple of years. Go I, ahead, Jake. I just, like 
No, the I Chiefs... was going to say the same thing. Is I think we're looking at two RB two threes, like low end twenty, high or mid twenties, like that range. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, but Edwards Lair first, Ronald Jones second. If it flips, I wouldn't be surprised. You might get that mm-hmm. just on the fact that Ronald Jones might get more of the scoring potentials because we've seen this. That's one thing of everything we don't know. The one thing we do is Edwards Lair is not going to be the goal line guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are, are you, is there ever going to be a week where you're going to be like, yes, Clyde Edwards Lair in my starting lineup? Like maybe he ends the season as RB28, but are you ever going to feel great about plugging him into your starting lineup? I just, I just can't imagine being like super enthused about either of these backs unless one of them gets hurt. No, it feels like Chase Edmonds on the Cardinals. It's, yeah. yeah. He's going to finish in that range, maybe a little bit higher and a little bit better than Chase Edmonds did last year, but kind of that same range where, yeah, you know what? RB3, he's my flex a deep squad, but as you're an RB2, oh, you better have went four wide receivers in those first five or six rounds. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I, I mean, so- are we going to finally see CEH, though, where we thought he would be excelling in the passing game? Because that Daryl Williams kind of stole his thunder, but it, we got to feel like Ronald Jones isn't going to steal CEH's thunder. It's kind of his opportunity to maybe get to. Don't say that to Ronald Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, <I'm- laughs> Don't call him one-dimensional. <laughs> Well, I just t- feel like it would have happened. I feel t- like it Tampa you know. kind of called him one dimensional. So, um, oh, I know, but yeah, he's he's angry again this offseason. So, <laughs> I just feel like what we would have seen it from CEA. Like you know, you're in this environment. You're playing with Patrick Mahomes. You've got Andy Reid as your as your coach. You've got Eric Bieniemy uh, running back himself as your OC. Like, I, I just think it it would have happened if it was going to happen. And it's only yeah. I know it's only been two years, but still, like like that, that's. We're talking all these with this team, with this offense. Like, I just think we would have seen at least evidence of it being possible if it was going to happen. Yeah, we're two years, we're two seasons in. I I feel Mm -hmm. like we've pretty much know what CEH is at this point. And I don't think if you look at uh, Pacheco, I don't think you have to worry about him in the passing game. Um, That's just like a late flyer. Like his only appeal is if he gets the third job on that team. They actually have like a lot of flyers at the running back situation between him, Gore. Uh, picked up another one. Name's escaping me right now, but there's you know there's a couple options back there. But I think it's going to be basically a one-two punch, and it's just going to be a little mm-hmm. bit frustrating week to week. Unless, like you said, Boston, like do we get four or five targets per week for Ceh, and then we might feel a lot better about it. Well, they had 90 RB catches last year. If they repeat that, how many does Ceh get? I, you got to think it's at least but, 50. But mm-hmm. see, I don't know that we get that because yeah. last year. We had Tyreek Hill and dudes, and now we have multiple options. Like you said, it's kind of almost like, you know, sometimes it does take, what did you say? Village. Yeah. Well, and that's Juju, right? That's what Juju was doing in Pittsburgh, catching yeah, the ball yeah. like a couple yards so, off so the line. What, of but what I'm saying is like, if you look at their depth chart, let's say Juju gets around 18%. Like, we well, you know Kelsey's getting this 23, 24%. So let's say Juju gets 17, 18 and then Sky Moore, Hardman, and Valdez, Gantling all get 12, 13 by themselves. I mean, the math, you're running out real quick to give mm-hmm. CEH 10%. It's just, it's tough. It's, it's, so I don't know that CEH even gets to that, even if he monopolizes it. Well, and I also wonder if a lot of coaches are planning to go the Debo route, not to the full Debo extent, but to just start using guys like Mecole Hardman and Sky Moore out of the backfield and using them kind of as your de facto third down running back, you know, Mm -hmm. and I I think there's a lot of people that are going to add that to their arsenal. And real quickly, all that being said, let's also not like, I don't want to say dismiss, but we're assuming everything's as it's been with no, but no Andy Reed, like 
Eh, maybe. Maybe they, maybe things start to fall apart a little bit, or maybe think that maybe they just change up their plan. And you know, this looks like, like I said, that they're continuing with late last year's plan. But we might be throwing a lot of stuff out the window. I mean, we're making a lot of assumptions as of today. Yeah, it's going to be a very, um, you know, like uh, it's it's from a, just a pure football watching standpoint. I think it's going to be kind of fun to see a new era for Patrick Mahomes and see what he can put together um, with the, the new look of this Kansas city chiefs team. And so I'm excited for that. And I just, I just don't think it's going to be maybe quite the same offensive environment that it has been during this entire Mahomes Reed era. So something to watch in the AFC West, the Los Angeles chargers also something to watch in the AFC West. I mean, Justin Herbert stud, Austin Eckler stud. We know what the receivers are. I mean, is it is it as simple as saying it's it's those dudes, Funston, and and that's it on this team? Yeah, I think you know they might have a a better second back that they've been trying to establish now that Isaiah Spiller is there. So maybe he's mm. somebody. I mean, maybe. Um, I like Josh Palmer. I, I think it, that we might see a little bit more of him. And but I, I think it is mostly business as usual with the you know the key players in their in their you know carrying over their starring roles from last year yeah i'm I'm, because i love some isaiah spiller i i think we're now looking at a potential we could see javante williams melvin gordon type of situation where they both finish inside that much oh the spiller that you take so you're you're out on eckler No, I'm in an Eckler, but I'm not in an Eckler as like top six or seven like I was last year. I think I had, so then you're I out on Eckler. At price, yes. yes. I think a lot of people yes. have him there again. And I. And it's funny because last year, and I saw somebody tweeting about something. They're like, remember last year at this time, Austin Eckler wasn't inside the top ten. And this person was there. It's like, uh, you didn't check my ranks because I had like <laughs> eight or even not like it was nine, eight or even seven. Uh-huh. But now this year, I kind of have him right there now which is already too low because a lot of people are taking him as the fourth or fifth running back off the board. And I think he's at the spot where it's kind of like, I have him there, but I don't think I'm going to get him there. And I don't think I would necessarily take him there. And I love Austin. This is a guy. That's why I had him there last year. I love Austin Eckler. Yeah. But what have we learned from Austin Eckler's career? Like stop getting the guy killed. He can do amazing things on 13 touches. And you've seen a lot of reports immediately after the draft that, what we've been doing in fantasy circles of being like, okay, who's the guy behind Eckler? Because he's going to miss time because it could potentially be value. And they've tried Jackson and Kelly and Roundtree and everybody. They got their answer in Isaiah Spiller. And I'm saying they got their answer in Isaiah Spiller so much so that I think we could get a 60-40 split. Still an RB1 for Austin Eckler. Still potentially even top 10. Mm-hmm. But I think the value, what I'm saying, is the value is with Spiller. Like I'm in a dynasty draft right now. I saw Spiller fall to the middle of the second round. And I lost my mind because I wasn't on the board. I was so pissed off about it because I really think he's going to be a top 25 running back right out of the gate. I am with Funston. This year, top 25. Yes. Yes. 100%. Uh, I think he's that good. He was in my tier one of running You're backs. You're taking Isaiah Spiller over Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I, yes, at that point, because I think the touches could be similar, but I'm going to go for more upside at that point. Mm-hmm. When, when they're that close, I, I don't want RB25. I want right, the guy right. who's RB25, potentially, like Austin Eckler misses time, mm-hmm. potential top 12 running back. Sure. Um, I agree with Funston on Josh Palmer. I don't know why everybody's on Jalen Guyton. Not that Jalen Guyton's not good, but I like Josh Palmer more than Jalen Guyton, and I thought more people would be on him this year. Mm-hmm. The one thing we didn't mention, hey, Gerald Everett. This tight end position it always has value. And, I mean, the, the rotting corpse of 
you know, our favorite not no-name tight end that I'll never say his name, <laughs> provided value as a tight end one when healthy and on the field. Gerald Everett has been a tight end one as the third option for Russell Wilson for some years, and granted, he's probably fourth at best, but there is value. Everybody's excited about Donald Parham. I think that Gerald Everett is a sneaky, if you want to just wait till the end, tight end. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, depth chart, the Chargers depth chart right now. Jared Leverett's wearing number seven for them this year. That should be illegal, a tight end wearing seven. Oh, that, that, you got to move him even further up the depth. You know, like that, that's, he's tight end one now. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> like, that, that is a gross number for a tight end. I don't care who it is. Maybe Kyle Pitts can get away How about with the dude seven's that a, they seven's a great number, with all but the not for a tight end. Eric Coleman Homahawk? Eric Coleman Hoak? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a, shot, a shocker that he didn't go to Wisconsin with a name like that. They have a bunch of weird names, and then they have that. Um, where's uh, pull, hold on, that Hunter Camp Camp My Meyer? Like they, like, I don't, they're, they're they're going for the alphabets with their tight ends. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Funston Gerald Everett, your your guy from Seattle. Yeah, I kind of felt like I put my chips in the Gerald Everett basket in Seattle, and yeah. uh, <laughs> didn't really get much back from that. So and. Uh, you know, I think Jake's right, but you know, we're talking back end serviceability here from a tight end position. So, uh, whatever he might give you that, but then so might a whole bunch of other guys. Are we going to spend like the first, like the last, you know, this this stretch of the spring and the first couple months of the summer tricking ourselves again into thinking tight ends deep, and then August is going to roll around and we're going to be like, there's four good tight ends. <laughs> no, you can go ahead. I'm tired of saying it every single year. Stop thinking that there's anything to do with tight ends. I think there's probably like eight, you know, like I'm, I'm okay with the Hawkinson Goddard, you know, second mm-hmm. group, that, that, group that, that very small uh-huh. second group. But then it yeah. gets then it gets into the abyss again. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, I think try to talk yourself into Cole Komet or anything. Yeah. It's like it's, it's Ertz. Oh, it's Goddard. It's Hawkinson. I wouldn't even say Ertz. I'm worried about Ertz. Are you? I think, I think for the yeah. first six weeks, he's going to be just fine, you know, and then DeAndre Hopkins comes back and then. Hopkinson? Hopkins. DeAndre. <laughs> yeah, DeAndre Hopkinson. Can we make that a. a I mean, they can, replaced, can we combine those combined two players? Player? Yeah. Look, with ra- what, wide receiver tight with Marquise end Brown, though. Hopkins wasn't replaced by Marquise Brown last year. Hopkins was replaced by a bunch of dudes and an aging, decrepit dude. So I think that Marquise Brown is a bigger factor. Not. Again, completely different game styles and everything like that. But I just think Ertz without Hopkins is going to be... Uh, this is why I'm saying this. I think Ertz without Hopkins is going to be such a narrative that I'm out on Ertz. That's similar to the... like. It's just the value of him. I have Ertz at 10, this but I don't feel an NFC West episode? <laughs> I know. All of a sudden, like, <laughs> hey, he brought him into the conversation. I would stop at 9. So just because it's like my ninth is Fryermuth. I would yeah. stop at 9. Then Ertz... Is where I'm just I'm done with tight ends because it's Ertz, Knox, Gasicki. Fan- I'll just wait All on Komet right. as you brought up Beller. So there you go. Well, are we you know, inc- and- including Gronk? Are we going to make him ten when he comes back? I won't even want him when he's come back again. It's it's basically if you look at his game log last year, it was like fifteen or zero. Yeah, it was like so up and down for him last year. I don't want to think that he turned it to the tight end that shall not be named on this show last year. Plus he really did. Plus you're rightfully a huge Kate Otten fan. I get it. I know that's, that's where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just traded for Hopkins. I, I sent the one ten in the dynasty for Hopkins. I'm like, eh, I'll wait. I, I'm a win now team. Yeah. There you go. Or win, right. win in week seven kind of team. Win in week seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Win in week seven. Win now, win in week seven. Well, it's yeah, a so. best ball dynasty. I can survive the first six weeks without Hopkins yeah. in a best ball dynasty. Absolutely. Absolutely. Know your league. <laughs> know your league. KYL. Know your league. 
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How much does Russell Wilson change the, the equation for everyone in Denver? We, <laughs> he obviously changes it. He obviously makes it a whole lot more lucrative. But like, how much? How much more? Are, how much more interested are you in Cortland Sutton? How much like, more oh, interested are you in? You go first about real quick. So when you tweet this out, Beller, you need to yeah. tweet out how much does this change, and then just use that GIF of him going everyone <laughs> because that's what it does. Like there's there's no underrating how much this goes. But you go first. Um, I think Denver set up for you know with the personnel of some of the better teams that Seattle had under Russell Wilson. So mm-hmm. you know I think you can plug. You can plug Cortland Sutton into DK Metcalf and Jerry Judy into Tyler Lock. We'll see what's happening with Jerry Judy and the off the field issues, but uh, I still think they're going to be run run first. Um, mm-hmm. I think the balance will be a little bit more even, but um, I-, I will go to my grave saying Russell Wilson is not the kind of guy you bring in if you want to be a pass heavy, pass first kind of team. I don't think they do. Uh, I think they're well set up in the backfield and the play off of the threat of the run, but be one of the best kind of Tennessee, Philadelphia sort of setups where you have a legit running game, but then when you go away from that, you are just killing it with high efficiency. And that's really where mm-hmm. Russell has excelled. Not throwing a lot of attempts, but when he does throw, it's massively highly efficient. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing you're looking at, as you just said, because you talk about his career years, and that's what I was pulling up. He's never thrown for more than 558 attempts, and two yeah. of his best years, that was like 546, 558, 4,200 yards, 4,200 yards. The 558 was the 40 touchdowns, and then 30 touchdowns, but that's only on 516. He threw 35 touchdowns on 427 attempts, so to Funston's point... This doesn't need to be 600 pass attempts for Russell Wilson to have a better value than he did with Seattle, for all the mm-hmm. wide receivers to have a better mm-hmm. value than they did with Drew Locke and the mess of other quarterbacks and Teddy and all those stuff that was going on there. So it's obviously stock up for everybody. But I think it looks like most people in fantasy drafting right now and that are involved understand that the stock is up, but let's not go insane. Like I don't see anybody putting Judy or Sutton inside the top 15, but we're now putting them both solidly inside the 20s. Yeah, some value for Patrick. My biggest concern about this is, I think we talked about it on the tight end ranking show, I think Albert O is vastly over overrated and overdrafted because we already saw, as Faustin mentioned earlier with Gerald Everett, the third option for Russell Wilson's never been much, period. And it's not just Albert O is not even potentially the third option. It's Tim Patrick. Yeah. It's, he's battling Tim Patrick to be the third option. So... Sutton Judy is where I end, and then that backfield. Yep. Yeah, the best tight end was Jimmy Graham, and even he was a, a big step down from his New Orleans days, and even then he was basically the one or the, the two. The number two. Yeah. 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 Yep. Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett were there 
and in some play, you know, Baldwin was sort of kind of at the end of his career too. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you're the clear number three or four, then you're probably not feasting in Russell's offense. This has the feeling of a team that is maybe going to be the fantasy results are going to be more than the, the fantasy hole is going to be more than the sum of its parts. Cause like, I, I, you know, like winning the offseason is never really uh, the greatest sign in the world, but you just look at this depth chart, and I'm talking both sides of the ball. Like, this, this is going to be a good team. They're they're going to be winning games. They're going to be in good positions. Like this, this has the the sort of the feeling of a team that gets more statistically because it's just a good team. So the Patriots, Tom Brady's yeah, years, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, maybe yeah. something like that. I suppose. I mean, obviously, not saying that they're that good of a team. No, but no, like no. This, but for but, fancy purposes, like yeah. there's you know there's no ones. Like it's just a bunch of yeah. really good. And, and I know Garrett Blount only scored eighteen touchdowns, but for all intents and purposes, there was no real ones. Right, right. And I think that, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson will, you know, maybe get his way to being a QB1. But yes, there are no ones on this team. And But I just think, like, I just, I yeah. find it hard to believe that with as, as good as they should be, just like, you know, 11 and 6 sort of team, like that, like every dude that we draft in the fantasy world isn't going to do what we expect him to do or better. Well, I think the problem. I'm prob- still not used to that, by the way. I think the Sorry, problem the here. 11 and 6. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> is that you kind of have it's the best division in football and yeah. I tend to lean to the teams that have the continuity like you do all these changes it's That's it's fair. it's yeah. tough to just hit the ground running with that right away especially in a, in a division where the Chargers and the Chiefs are basically who they are. The Raiders, you could argue, because of the coaching change because they yeah. bring in a major player in Devontae Adams and um they might be going through the same thing as Denver. But let me just say, like, when when the biggest change is a veteran quarterback who's never not been very good, like, I feel like it maybe eases that transition. <laughs> well, there's the Rams as a kind of your poster team for what you're talking about right now. Yeah, there you go. Matthew Stafford and win the Super Bowl in his first year or so. And that's what they did at Copycat League. And yeah. he can do his commercial for AT&T and switching his <laughs> phone and having immediate success. <laughs> yeah. Give us all a little wink. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. This is, this is a team that, like, I'm going to try to find investment in this team because I, I just think that the there's just there's so much competence top to bottom that I just feel like they're going to, like, like it's easy to say, it's easy to say I'm going to invest in, I'm just going to use the, the, the pre-2022 Chiefs. Easy to say, oh, yeah, of course, like, the, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, they're awesome. I want to, but I want to get a piece of the Chiefs. But, like, everyone wanted to get a piece of the Chiefs, and there were three dudes to get a piece of, and then that was it. Like, the Broncos are going to be an affordable team to invest in. Like, every, like, Cortland Sutton's going to get drafted high enough. Judy's going to get drafted high enough. The backs, Russ, they're all going to get drafted high enough, but no one's going to, like, race you for them. No one's going to really like fight you too much to get any of these guys on the team. And I just think that this is a team that, because of how good I expect them to be, can pretty easily outperform fantasy expectations if we're saying expectations are what the ADPs are. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Russell, in his best days, was you know perennial top four kind of quarterback mm-hmm. you're getting him for cheaper than that right now so and you know we're not and you should be i'm not saying you shouldn't be but this is still just going to be like a, i think this is an extremely high floor team but yeah and if dk and tyler they've been top 15 guys under russell and you're and as mm-hmm. we said you know Cortland sutton and jerry judy are going early to mid 20s so you're not having to overpay there the only one is javante williams people you know, are still wanting to take him top ten running back, even with Melvin Gordon back. That's that's a that's kind of a bit of a that's, leap of faith with Gordon. That is wish casting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, look, yeah. First of all, 
I will happily take any sort of uh, Melvin Gordon homer slander people want to throw at me because uh, <laughs> I loved the dude when he was at Wisconsin. Melvin Gordon has he's not running anyone off the field in the NFL, but hasn't he basically like checked every box his entire career for like what his yeah. like re- realistic expectations are for him? Like Melvin Gordon takes way too much uh, flack for like the, like it's it's almost like he's a representation of the, like the running back position and what people love to attack about the running back position, and that obscures the fact that he's just a pretty solid football player. Period. He's always that's, he's been a dynamic football player, and he probably hasn't lost that much. But I think people have a tendency when a running back gets into his five, six years in, uh-huh. thinking that they're just kind of like these old, you know, kind of washed up, you know, shells of what they were. I think he's still a really good back. But sorry to jump in on that, Jay. Go ahead. No, I wasn't going to say. It was just the fact of you know what he was with the Chargers, and then you know mm-hmm. the appeal of oh look what he could do, and it was the excitement of maybe if he got the full workload, and then. Like you said, he's always just been solid, but I think that's, that's that perception is what often skews the value yeah. of players. Is like, could have been this, and then they forget. Oh wait, he's actually pretty good now. Yeah, he pays for the for the perceived <laughs> sins of the running back. Position. Maybe that that the ten percent of the people that overlap with the fantasy baseball get like Dansby Swanson. Like he's finally <laughs> doing what Dansby Swan- what uh, people want him to do, but he was so overly freaking hyped at the beginning. That they're like, oh well, no, no, I don't care about him anymore. He's yeah. good now. He's he's what you want. He's he's solid, exactly. He hit like twenty five homers last year or something, didn't he? Exactly. Something along those lines. Melvin Gordon could probably hit a couple of homers. I would be willing to bet, but uh, you know that's softball. Uh, uh, yeah, right. He's a big, big dude, big strong dude, uh, big strong dudes in Vegas. This could be. I mean. This team, like, I would love to see the Raiders be in the NFC. I've been, like, sort of piecing together my early, early playoff thoughts. And, like, the NFC is such a garbage conference, it looks like. Why? This is after- why I don't blame the Saints for saying that they're all in and thinking oh, they're in the playoffs. Like, like, it, there's no way to look argue at, with them. There, I don't think there's any way to look at the Saints and not see a top seven roster in the NFC. That doesn't mean they're for sure going to get into the playoffs, but like if we're ranking the rosters one through sixteen yeah. in the NFC, if they want to think they're playoff bound, yeah. go right ahead. Look, look at that. Tell me who the sixth and seventh seed are in the NFC. And I know, yeah, but these exactly. are fleeting. I mean these these power imbalances are fleeting, or they swing back and forth pretty quickly. Oh well, yeah, they, sure they do for sure. And and just because we think what we think doesn't mean we're right. We are very very often wrong about what right. we think on paper in, in sports. But I'm just saying, like, going into the season, it's very easy to see, you know, right? Seven teams, 14 teams make the playoffs. Seven in the AFC, seven in the NFC. In theory, it should be the 14 best teams. But, like, it's pretty easy to say that 10 of the 14 best teams on paper are in the AFC. 11 of the 14 best teams in paper are in the AFC. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't mean it's going to play out like that's that. Why, that's why when all the quarterbacks started going to the AFC, Tom yeah. Brady was like, oh, never mind. I'm coming back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Screw this. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> I got to oh, beat can, two teams. <laughs> I can waltz to a 13-win season. See, and then, but yeah, even gotta, last yeah. year, that wasn't the case because I, I think we would have taken Arizona over the Raiders last year, even though Arizona was sputtering down the stretch. But I mm-hmm. think – uh, but it is now. I mean, like everything in the off season is kind of went yeah. in the AFC's direction for sure. And then the Raiders, and then the Raiders gave the Bengals as good a game as anyone on their way to the Super yeah. Bowl. Truth, football man, NFL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, 
Raiders, Devontae yeah. Adams. I, I mean, so obviously it's a it's a step down uh, for him at the quarterback position, but it's not like he's totally falling off a cliff. He has also then mixes in with Darren Waller, and what does Darren? What does this do to Darren Waller? What does this do to Hunter Renfro? Uh, the backfield is back the same with Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. This again, this feels like. This feels like a pretty good team to be invested in to me. It all depends on I, I really like the trickle down effect that Devontae Adams presents, I think is gonna be like hard for us to assess. And like we never get a ton out of preseason football, but I kind of want to see the Raiders give us like at least a few quarters of this is how we're gonna play in the regular season football, because it it's like it's just hard to know. Like, Devontae Adams is such a high gravity player that it's hard to get a good feel for how much his presence changes everything else until we actually see it. I mean, dude, he had rapport with Derek Carr eight years ago. So what, what are you talking about? Like, everybody remember that's like, was it eight or is it? Am I, it am a I while ago. estimating off Probably the top about, of my head? Like, it sounds about, yeah, that sounds about right. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's funny because you talk about like offseason helium. I don't think any quarterback's getting more than Derek Carr right now because two reasons is he's always been in that. Philip Rivers, like that kind of uh, QB 14 every single year. And all it takes is like one little extra boost to the passing game to get into that top 10. And he's always the quarterback that kind of gets disrespected, but also the one that you're like, okay, fine. I got, you know, I'll get Derek Carr. I got Philip Rivers. Or like what, you know, Andy Dalton during his peak seasons when he had like two top 10 finishes with the Bengals, like that kind of range of a quarterback. But now you add Adams and you're talking about how this offense has changed a little bit and what Hunter Renfro did last year. Uh, they brought in pieces of Cole and Hollins and Demarcus Robinson. Darren Waller had a down year. Everybody's expecting him to bounce back. Mm-hmm. So all this type of stuff. And everybody's like, oh, Derek Carr, this is the year. This is the year that he's finally – because part of it, too, is look at how much he threw last year. I mean, he was throwing like crazy, and that was with – uh, former NFL player, Ruggs, that was like on the field, Brian Edwards, and then Renfro mm-hmm. and Waller. And then pieces. So I think that's where everybody's going with this is you add in Devontae Adams, a top five wide receiver, and Renfro and Waller are themselves, and then all the extra pieces to make them say, we'll give away Brian Edwards for a fifth rounder. I think everybody's in on Derek Carr this year. I, the interesting thing that I have with is, like, I'm kind of in on Josh Jacobs. Like, you talk about somebody who's just kind of like, he's really good. But everybody, again, at, coming out of college and all the expectancy and like, oh, my God, if he just gets used in the passing game and then week one was used in the passing game and then everything like, that came after that was like, oh, my God, what happened? They were going to use him and they didn't. It's always like this expectation that Jacobs was going to start catching 50, 60 balls. But you know what? He's good enough. He's a teens. And if he scores 12 touchdowns on this offense really takes off, Jacobs will be in the RB1 conversation. I'm not putting him there. But I think he's one of the more valuable RB2s that's sitting out there this year. I, I think the Kenyon Drake experiment is pretty much done by the draft mm-hmm. in Zamira White, which is, yep. I know, also p- partly because they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Jacobs. But I'm just saying, I, th- I think mm-hmm. the, the Kenyon Drake, if they could take that signing back, I think they would. And Drake, I remember talking to Vic Tafer, one of our Raiders beat writers last year. Drake was like a like a, um, uh, a John Gruden vanity project almost. Hmm. Yeah. So, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. By the I, way, Derek, Derek Carr has never not been a top twenty fantasy quarterback. So um, he's kind of like the middle class version of Kirk Cousins, you know, in fantasy. Uh-huh. But this is going to be his best. There you go. His best opportunity, and I think Devontae Adams, like, could he have landed in a better spot if it wasn't Green Bay? Like, you go to your former right, college right. quarterback, you go, you play indoors for half of your games. You're going to be in a in a division where the you know, you're going to have 50 on the over under line for the games a few times mm-hmm. this year. You know, like there's going to be some shootouts. Lots and, of good weather, too. Yeah. In so, the division. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think 
Devontae Adams could be 90% of what he was in Green Bay. I, I think that's on the table. What does 90% translate to you, like, in terms of, well, like, where you're taking him? You're taking Top, Cooper Cup ahead of him? You're yeah, Chase and Jefferson, and then I'm, Chase, Jefferson, then and then I'm Adams. Going, then I'm going Adams. That seems to be, like, a, a hardening consensus. Yeah. Yeah. Is those four guys. Well, and because like, after Adams, now you're talking... Diggs and yeah. Evans and Hill uh-huh. and Deontay Johnson and so there's like a lot of question marks li- laying in there. Yeah. So I, I think, think you could make it a Diggs versus Adam uh, argument, and it's right there. Yeah. But I, I don't I see how that. either of those guys. I think that's the five right there. Like you don't. It's pretty. It, well, and it, like it, it's. I I I would be sympathetic. I, I I would not probably not take Cooper Cup as the first wide receiver. I could at least understand an argument for him, but it feels like we've got Cup. Chase and Jefferson, Adams and Diggs. Yeah. And no one really wants to break that up in any in any meaningful way. No, I don't think you need to. I think that's a – I actually – I keep saying I put Cup by himself. Yeah. I we all know you put Cup <laughs> I, by himself. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I talked about it on the wide receiver show. You know, we talked about, yeah. 20%, 20% <laughs> off his production, and he's still wide receiver two by one point last year. I'm stealing point. myself to make a Justin Jefferson wide receiver one argument. I'm not ready for it yet, but I'm 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 gonna be. I'm, I will be ready You're for it at that? some point in the summer. But yeah. real quick to go back to Jacobs, uh, do you guys you want? I, you're better at this, Beller, so you're probably gonna get. Do you guys want to take guesses? Do you remember how many carries he had last year? Josh Jacobs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Jacobs. Let's go two twelve. No one ninety eight. No, Fonston was going you lost, Bella. Wow, it's two seventeen. And that was my uh, point. He actually caught fifty balls last year, but they kept giving so many carries to freaking Kenya Drake that he went from being a two fifty carry guy to a two seventeen. You get him back to two forty, two fifty, even two sixty with forty receptions. Now we're nearing yeah. the upper two hundreds, close to three hundred touches. You give again, you give that to Jacobs and now could potentially be that R B one that everybody always wanted. It's a great point. In, in his rookie year, 19, 242 carries in 13 games. Then in 2020, 273 in 15 games. And then last year, he drops to 217 in the same 15 games. So, you know, yeah. He dropped Freaking 60 Gruden, carries. man. Dropped 60 carries. I mean, that's a, that's a ridiculous amount. Yeah. That's three Christian McCaffrey games worth of carries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what, Darren Waller, I think, is a, is a fascinating player to break down, too. Because, I mean, we, we know he's a great player. We know he can do a lot. We know he can do a lot of things that other tight ends can't do, but he's also never had to play with a guy like Devontae Adams on his team. And so, like, what does the Devontae Adams tax do to, to uh, Darren Waller this season? I think um, just I, – I, I was looking for it, and you can't find it, but, you know, man – single man versus double versus zone. Like, if you look up just man-to-man coverage on, like, pro football focus, like – decided decided you know uh benefit for darren waller and you're just going to have to imagine that's going to be a lot more of the case where he's not going to have you know an over-the-top safety and and he will get these matchups with these linebackers a lot more often over the middle because Devonte adams and that it's it could be a less is more to where you end up um in the same place with him maybe you know also at the goal line that works out to his advantage. He actually gets, you know, more touchdowns this time around because of that. But I think I kind of say, you know what, that the lack of the volume that we've seen in the past that he's not going to get because of Montana's there is going to be made up by the fact that he's going to have more quality of, of touches. Yeah. I, I think that my part of this that you kind of, didn't go to was it's just not the target share of Devontae Adams. It's the target share left of Hunter Renfro. Sure. Hunter Renfro entering his fourth year 
I don't know. It kind of like feels like he's been around a little bit longer, but you know, he came into his own and was Derek Carr's beyond safety blanket last year. Yeah. So the question I have is, no, obviously I don't think that Waller's getting back to two years ago and getting like a, what was it, 140 targets or something like that. Mm-hmm. But my question is, does he even get 110? You bring in Adams and Hunter Renfro and somebody between Waller, the other wide receivers, plural, they're all going to accumulate for something, 10 to 15% combined. And then is Jacobs going to be the one that loses? Does Jacobs get back down to, you know, his only 30 possible or set? But like, I'm awful Waller. Like, I, I hope he rebounds. I like Waller, but I just, again, I got to play the math. And that's what I always do to it. And this is why I have the customizable projections now on the site. If you want to screw my math up, or not screw it, <laughs> if you want to screw with my math and you want to say, I don't believe you and your target share in Darren Waller, yeah. then go for it and you can play it. But again, you got to say, Adams is going to get his. Renfro's going to get his, but maybe Renfro takes a tick back. Jacobs takes, there's just a lot of tick backs to get Waller back to. 110 plus targets. Are you saying, are you like comfortable in your assessment that Waller's third on this team in target share? Yes. Yeah. That's why for me, my tight ends are Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts. Kittle sits by himself for me. And then Waller is actually in the next group for me with Schultz and Hawkinson and Goddard, maybe. But like, Mm -hmm. he's not with Kittle for me. He's in the next. So that means. There's another one. I'm out on everybody today, apparently, except the guys I like, <laughs> like Jacobs. I'm I'm just out on Waller this year. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at their I'm just looking at their depth chart. I mean, you got Devontae Adams, you got Hunter Renfro, you got Darren Waller, you got Demarcus mm-hmm. Robinson, Mac Hollins, Keelan Cole. Like, how many of the other guys are going to even be players? If this is a team that threw 628 times, and you're talking about Renfro, Waller, Adams, and Josh Jacobs, and you're worrying about them not getting their looks, if they're going to throw a similar he's, amount. Times he's and battling for third. It could still be a decent. It could still. It could still easily be 110, and you're not taking away from those guys. Yeah, is what I'm and saying. Yeah. It, but the 110 targets is. Does that get him? Well, it could it be more. But I mean, I'm just saying. Like, no, I don't think that's what I'm saying. I don't think he gets. I think you have to almost like push to get to the 110. Is what I'm saying. But if he gets 110, like what is he getting? 80, 80 some catches. No, like this. This goes back to the the Kansas City Chiefs situation from past years. Kelsey and Hill, Adams and Renfro are going to get their 45 combined, and that might even be low. I'm not giving them the 50 like Hill and Kelsey used to get. So let's get, they get 45%. Jacobs, last year, if that rolls over again, we're talking 10%. 60 targets on 600 pass attempts. We're already up to 55%. So you're leaving 45% for the other running backs, the other one. And I'm not saying, you're right. I don't think any of those guys, that's why I said everybody else. But the other running backs get 5 to 8%. All those crappy wide receivers, <laughs> if you want to say that, uh-huh. combined for 15%. Like, you're just, that's what I'm saying. It's put, we're pushing hard for him to get to 20%. Can he get 15%? Absolutely. I just think we're pushing hard for him to get back. Yeah. 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 It's going to be a fun division. I think we know that. And I think it's, you know, it's going to be, there's, there's very good teams in this division. There's going to be potential just with the way the math works. Maybe a high quality team left out of the playoffs just because it's hard for it's going to be hard for all four teams to make the playoffs. But I think it's going to be a very fun division, real life, and certainly a fun fantasy division as well. And that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy. Oh, I was, I was working on something for for Funston. Oh, I what was, was working, it? I was trying to find the man versus zone EPA for Darren Waller. Oh yeah, and I was fine. Oh, so I, where, where I, I got it. Here. Okay. I, yeah. I, I was doing it. So, like, thank you, Shield Kapadia, who actually has this built into True Media. But you, the EPA versus man, if you start 
at the top of the best guys. We'll throw out like Jack Stoll's near the top, <laughs> Kendall <laughs> okay. Blanton's near the top. Yeah, yeah. So if you get down to actual we'll relevant tight here. ends, <laughs> uh, you got, let's see, CJ Uzma was mm. 3.28, and then Mo Alley Cox, 2.9, a bunch of other dudes who barely played, and Darren Waller for, if you put a minimum basically at snaps, you put a 100 minimum snaps, Darren Waller's third, 2.1, right in front of Conklin, Doyle, Higby and Howard. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's going to be living in that world, you know, yeah. now a lot more, hopefully. That might be a, kind of like a DF. By the way, you just kind of gave like a little DFS thing to look for is when they play defenses who play more zone versus man or yeah. when they play man versus zone. There you go. There you go. There you go. Darren Waller is going to be, I think, one of the more uh, polarizing players and more interesting guys once we really start getting into the uh, let's break down where guys should be drafted portion of the fantasy football offseason. But we don't have time for it because we got to call it an episode here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be talking about divisions for a while here, so we'll have a little bit more fun with that. For Jake and Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks for listening to us, excuse me. Thanks for letting us talk at you. We'll do it again soon. See ya. 